just look great today, well-rested and awake. It's a great gift from God, is it not, that one extra hour in the fall, extra hour of sleep. We, we praise God for that. Don't you? All right. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Ephesians chapter 5 is where you need to turn. As you're turning there, I want to say thank you um, to you for encouraging words, uh, gestures, gifts over the last month of Pastor Appreciation Month. We are really glad that God has brought us here to serve him with you. Uh, I want to say I'm especially thankful to you guys for the way you take care of my family. Uh, you have no you have no idea what it means to me uh, when, when they get encouraging words and hugs and pats on the back. It is, it is a good thing, and so we are thankful. We look forward to many years uh, here with you. Last week in Ephesians, we looked at a text that was, it was big. It was big in a lot of ways. It was big in its expression of the gospel, Paul said. Be imitators of God, as beloved children, walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. It was big in its proclamation of the gospel. It was big in its application when he says, be imitators of God. He particularly called us to imitate God in his love, and not just any kind of love, but his agape love, uh, self-sacrificing love that acts on behalf of and for the good of others. He calls us to imitate that love. He said part of what it looks like to be an imitator of God is to avoid certain things. In fact, he goes so far as to say you, to, you are to avoid these attitudes and these patterns of life so much so that they're not even named among you, that they're not even hinted at among you. And uh, that was big in and of itself. And clearly, we all have work to do there. Clearly, we all have growth uh, that needs to happen uh, and, and progress that can be made. I don't think we'll ever come to a point in our lives where we say, all right, I'm there. I've arrived. I'm mature. I'm confident. I am where I need to be. Always, we're looking ahead. Always, we're wanting to take further steps and grow more in our relationship with the Lord. We need to be careful to take warnings like this text very seriously, take them to heart, and let God work in our lives. This week, Paul's going to continue with his thought about how we should walk when we are in the world. He says something that is very simple in this text and yet profound right at the beginning. He builds his application in this text upon a declaration. And this is a pattern that we have seen over and over again in Ephesians. Paul is going to make a declaration, an indicative statement, something that is true. And then he's going to say, now here's how you respond to that truth. Paul is never going to go straight to application. He's never just going to call us to action. But rather, he's always going to build a theological, doctrinal foundation for that action. Today, he's going to say, you are light. This is a fantastic statement. He is going to say, you are light. And then he's going to say, therefore, walk as children of the light. He's not just going to call you to walk as light. He's going to say, God has made you to be light. Now then, walk as children of the light. We want to get that straight. Because if we get that backwards, we'll lose the gospel. If we get the application before the indicative statement, we lose the gospel. If, in other words, the gospel went, walk as light, and God will make you light, we would not have any hope at all, would we? Do any of us walk so much as light that God would make us to be light? Absolutely not. But what we need is for God to make us light by his grace, right? As a gift, we need him to change our hearts and give us new life, and then we walk for him. Clear enough? Look at it in the text today, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 7. He says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, 
trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray, to, pray together. God, we are thankful uh, for this gathering. Especially on this day, we're thankful that we can, we can get together like this. Without fear, without intimidation, we come into this room in great freedom and with great boldness and gather together. What a blessing that is. And we are mindful of our brothers and sisters around the planet who, who cannot gather like this. so often for granted. God, we pray for them, that you will help them, that you will give them everything that they need. And God, I pray that you will help us to be as bold as them, to risk life and limb for the sake of your kingdom. God, clearly we have much to learn from our persecuted brothers and sisters. And we're thankful that we can gather together on this day around your word hear directly from you. And that's what we desire today. We don't want to hear the words of a scholar or a preacher or a man. We want to hear you. We want you to speak with power and authority that changes lives. So we invite you to do that today. Help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, all that you would speak, all that you would show on this day in Christ's name. All right, so we'll start in verse 7, and we talked about this a little bit last week. I want to bring your attention to it again, or at least make it familiar to you again. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. I think as we try to walk as light, as we try to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called, as he says in chapter 4, verse 1, we can tend toward one of two extremes. Either we can tend toward extreme, total isolation from the world. We can build a big wall around this church and we'll all just come in here and hide and we'll stay away from the world and we'll stay unstained by the world and untainted by the world. Or we tend toward this other extreme of total immersion in the world, that we are just going to go and we're going to be just like them, we're going to partake with them in all that they partake of, and we are going to be no different than them. And what I have come to realize is that the end result of both of those extremes is exactly the same. Evangelism is done. Influence on the world is over. Either one, because we totally resist the world and totally run away from the world, or the other, because we look just like them, and therefore we have no credibility for the message that we preach. The trick for us and the balance for us to learn as we mature as disciples of Christ is to do what God wants us to do in being in the world but not of the world. In John chapter 17, when Jesus prays for his disciples, he prays specifically that the Father will not take them out of the world. He says, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but while they're in the world, protect them from the evil one. Because Jesus over and over and over again says that we, as his people, we, as lights of the world, as he is the light, are to be an influence on the world around us. We cannot do that if we are just like them. And we cannot do that if we avoid them entirely. And so somewhere in the middle is where we have to live. 
where we are engaging the darkness. And Paul's going to teach us a lot about what that looks like in this text in Ephesians chapter 5. So Jesus would say, be salt, be light. Paul says it this way, do not be partakers with them. And then look what he builds in verse 8. He begins to elaborate on that and he says, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That verse may be the most important one of the text today. It teaches us so many things. Look at the first lesson. He says, you were formerly darkness. Paul's good about this, isn't he? We, we've, we've studied here at First Baptist Church enough of Paul's writings to know. He's pretty good at this, of constantly reminding us, constantly remembering himself, where he came from, who he used to be. Uh, you read about this just a minute ago. He says, I, the foremost of sinners. Other places he will talk about being a zealous persecutor of the church. He realizes that he was a mess until Christ came to him. That he was a mess until his heart was changed by the power of God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we need these reminders. We need to remember that we were formerly darkness. That we have not always been who we are today. That we were darkness. We need reminders like this to keep us humble so that we don't get puffed up and think we're something that we are not. We need reminders like this to keep us grateful so that we are always thankful for the gift that we've been given in the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question for you today is, do you remember what it was like to be darkness? Do you remember what it was like before you knew Jesus? Do you remember how futile your life was? How pointless it seemed? How purposeless it was? Do you remember what it was like to walk around in the darkness? I had a little experience in the darkness this week. My dad and Isaac and I were uh, out in the woods hanging some tree stands, and it got a little late. We got the last tree stand hung by the light of the iPhone. We didn't think about how to get out of there. We didn't really leave a trail, and we didn't really know where we were, and we had to get in a boat to go across to where we were. And it was a little bit scary as we were trying to navigate our way out of that woods and across the lake in the dark. I was scared. And we ended up coming out to the water at where I thought the boat was going to be, and the boat was not there. And so we had to go back into the woods and come out another place. About four or five times we did this, right? Oh, it's just right by that tree. You know how many trees there are in those woods? We thought we were being real smart. We'll park the boat right by that tree. A lot of trees look like that tree, especially in the dark. It was scary to be in the dark. And what did we need? We needed, we needed light. We needed light. And that little phone light made a difference, but we could have used more than that. Remember what it was like to be in the darkness? You remember how scared you were? Remember how lost you felt before you knew Jesus? Paul doesn't want us to forget that, and we must never forget it. He says, you were formerly darkness, but that's not the end of the story. Look what he says next. He says, you were formerly darkness, but now, but now, something has changed. He hints at that even in the beginning. He says, you were formerly darkness. That hints at something has changed, but now he's going to get right to the change. And he's going to say, but now, everything's different. You are no longer darkness. You are no longer in the darkness. You are no longer of the darkness. But now, something has changed. And what we read about in those two little words, but now, what we read into those two words is Jesus, right? Jesus makes the difference. What makes the difference between someone who is darkness and someone who is light? It's Jesus, right? Only Jesus. We can't make ourselves into light. We can't bring ourselves into the light. The light has to come to us, right? And Jesus is the one who makes the difference. Jesus is the transition from darkness to light. He says, you were formerly darkness, but now, look what he says, you are light in the Lord. 
You are light in the Lord. Jesus, we know, is the light, right? And John, he makes this claim. He says, I am the light of the world. And listen, adults, you need to come to small group Bible study next week. Because one of the things you'll do in small group Bible study next week is you will look at the whole context of Jesus making that claim in John's gospel. When he stands up and says, I am the light of the world, the text itself is fantastic. And I'm going to give you the background of that text as Jesus stands before these giant candles that were a celebration of light. He says, you think that's spectacular. You think that lights up the city. He says, I am the light of the world. You want to come to Sunday school next week. This will make a whole lot more sense, but we don't have time to do it today. What I want you to understand is he says you are light because Jesus is the light and Jesus makes us light. He makes us into light. But make no mistake about it, we are not like the sun. We are like the moon when it comes to light. We don't originate our own light. The light doesn't come from us. The light comes from Jesus. And just like the moon doesn't have a light of its own but is merely a reflection of the light from the sun, that's the way we are in the world. We don't produce our own light, but we reflect the light of the sun. Does that make sense to you? We reflect the light of the sun for the world to see, and we give light. Paul says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. I want you to notice something pretty important in that first part of the verse. Notice that he doesn't say, you were in darkness, or you were of darkness. There's no preposition there. It goes way deeper than that. He says, you were darkness. In your very nature, in your very essence, in your very being, you were darkness. It's much more profound than just being in the dark. It's much worse than being lost on an island in the dark with the iPhone, right? It's much worse than that. But notice also he doesn't qualify the light. He doesn't say, but now you are in the light or you are of the light. Paul says it's much more profound than that. He says you were darkness and now you are light. You are light in the Lord. It's so important that we understand the deep nature of darkness and the deep nature of light and know that Jesus is the only one that can change something that deep. He says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then he gets to the application. That part was the indicative statement. That part was the principle. Now he's going to get to the application and the action. He says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. That makes sense, right? This is the imperative. It's based on the indicative above. Walk like it. And we got to be careful don't, not to get this backwards. I already said this a while ago. We don't want to say he's saying walk like light and I'll make you into light. He says I have made you light. You are light. Now walk like it. And that's what a lot of us in this room need to hear. A lot of us in this room claim we are light in the Lord. That we know Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives. And what we need to hear Paul say here is walk like it. Walk as children of the light. And he's going to explain what that looks like. Read on. Read on in verse 9. He says, walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. This is a general statement of what the evidence of the light looks like, what fruit of the light looks like. It helps us answer the question of what does it look like to walk as children of the light? You can't just, Paul, you can't just tell us to walk as children of the light and then not explain to us what it looks like to walk as children of the light. And so he gives us some general statements here, general statements of fruit of the light that stand in stark contrast to fruit of the darkness as mentioned in verse 3. In verse 3 he says, immorality, impurity, greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So he gives three general words for sin there. 
as fruit of darkness. And here he gives three general words for righteousness that are fruit of the light in this verse, verse 9. The fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Read on. He, he continues to elaborate in verse 10. He says, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. He says, basically, walk as children of the light, righteousness, holiness, truth, those kind of things. He says, and do that trying to figure out what pleases the Lord. And that begs the question, right? How do we find out what pleases the Lord? How do we, as followers of Jesus, figure out what it is that pleases the Lord when it comes to our actions and our lifestyles? You tell me, how do we do this? How do we figure it out? Do we ask, we ask Oprah? Hey, Oprah. No, we read the word, right? It's the most important thing we can do to figure out what it is that pleases the Lord. Pick up your Bible and read. It is God saying, this is what pleases me. In fact, several times he will say, this is the will of the Lord. I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to figure out what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Pick up and read over and over and over again. He will tell you explicitly, this is my will for you. And yet we are completely unfamiliar with those things. So one of the ways we know what it is that pleases the Lord is we pick up our Bibles and read. One of the ways we know what it is that pleases the Lord is we look at the Lord Jesus Christ himself, right? His life, his actions, his behavior, his attitude. Because if there was ever one who pleased the Lord, it was the Lord himself, right? He always did what was in accordance with the will of the Father. And so we learn about Jesus, we learn about his character, we learn about his lifestyle, and we imitate him, right? One of the ways we learn what pleases the Lord is in fellowship with other believers, don't think that you're called to do this out on your own, out in a forest or in your closet all by yourself trying to figure out what it is that pleases the Lord. It is a good gift that God has given us in the church. It is a good thing that he has called us to be together to study his word. It is good that he has called us to be together to live out the Christian life. It is good that he has called us into fellowship with one another. So in verse 10, he says, trying to figure out, trying to learn what it is that pleases the Lord. And we do that by reading our Bible. We do that by looking to Jesus. We do that in fellowship with believers. We do that in prayer. Basically, we do that through spiritual disciplines. It's the same as the answer to, how can I imitate God? Well, one thing you can do to imitate God is get to know him. You've got to know him in order to imitate him. And so to learn what is pleasing to him, you must know him in his word. Look at verse 11. Verses 11 to 13 are huge, huge and very practical. Look what he says. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. It seems like in this verse, there are two sides to the whole, you are light, therefore walk as children of the light coin. One of those sides is that we do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Did you read that? Chew on that for a minute and read it carefully. He says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. What are the unfruitful deeds of darkness? Immorality, impurity, greed. You can find several laundry lists in the New Testament of what the unfruitful deeds of darkness are. And he says, in no uncertain terms, do not participate in these things. I want to remind you that the Bible does say things like this to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are things that we should not do. There is, there is a trend in the church today to say that we can, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, participate in all kinds of sinful actions and somehow redeem those sinful actions. No, no, no. There are some things that we must not do. 
there are some things that we must not do, even to the point that we don't even talk about those things. Some things that we must avoid so, avoid so much that they are not even hinted at among us. Skip down and look at verse 12. Verse 12 explains this thought. He says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, for it is disgraceful even to speak of things which are done by them in secret. So one part of the coin of how to walk as children of the light is you avoid certain things. You do not participate in certain deeds. The other side, which is more positive, is what he says in the second part of verse 11. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Even expose them. And I'll be honest with you, this is tough. This is tough to understand exactly what he's talking about here. What does he mean by exposing them? Well, it seems like there are a couple of things going on here. A couple of things going on here. Number one is that as light, we shine on things that are done in darkness. Maybe the best way I can relate this is by your own experience. Have you ever, as a Christian, as an identified follower of Christ, walked into a situation, walked into a room, walked into a conversation, and everything changed? Maybe they were talking about something, and you walk in, and they think, ah, I don't want to talk about that now with them in the room. Maybe I'm the only one that experiences this as, as pastor. I experience this quite a bit. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a conversation with someone, and they start a word? They start a word, and they catch it because you're there? Maybe, maybe if you hadn't been there, they'd have let that word fly. I've got a couple of friends, and I really appreciate them, that just let them fly anyway, even if I'm, not, if I'm around or not. They just let them fly, whatever. They don't, they don't care. But what I'm saying is sometimes the exposure of the darkness just happens naturally. Our light is just shining. People know that we're followers of Jesus, and therefore they feel uncomfortable around us. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Do you have some friends that feel uncomfortable around you because they are darkness and you are light? I think one of the things that Paul teaches us is that you can expect that. You can expect that. Jesus says the darkness hates the light. The darkness hates the light. And sometimes when you're just minding your own business, just living your own life, you are going to make people uncomfortable. And you know what? Sometimes you're going to make them angry. Sometimes, without even a word spoken, people are going to be angry at you. They're going to look at you like you're some kind of goody two-shoes, and you're cramping their style. You're getting in the way of all the fun that they want to have. And sometimes, as you walk as children of the light in a dark world, people are going to get angry with you. They may even be violent toward you. But you are light, and light can't help but shine, right? And Jesus tells some stories about how ridiculous it is to have a city on a hill that can't be seen. How ridiculous it is to have a light and put it under a bushel. Is that what you do? No, you let it shine. You want me to sing it? Does that, does that help? You know what I'm talking about, right? doesn't make any sense to have a light and not let it shine. And he says, you are light and therefore expose the deeds done in darkness. And sometimes that will just happen naturally. Sometimes your light is just shining and people feel uncomfortable. Sometimes your light's just shining and they get upset. Sometimes your light's just shining and they see the darkness in their own lives. And sometimes it doesn't just happen naturally. Sometimes you need to shine your light into a place. Sometimes you need to confront sin and call sin, sin. I think the church needs to hear this today. There are times in this dark world when we need to say, laser beam style, here's some light going into this darkness, and it is darkness. It is sin, it is disgusting, it is opposed to God, and it needs to stop. And the church has lost its guts. The church has lost its backbone and refuses to say some things like this when, when they need to be said. Sometimes light just exposes the darkness as it's going about, and other times you shine a light into the darkness to expose it. 
And the church needs to do that sometimes. In our own house, in our own camp, and out there in the world. It's part of what we're called to do. Don't expect, though, don't expect, though, that the world will respond positively to that. Do you remember when the light shined in your darkness for the first time? Do you remember the, when the first time you felt dirty, dark, dead? That wasn't a pleasant experience, was it? No, but you wouldn't trade anything for it today, would you? You wouldn't trade anything for that today because it is what brought you to your need for Jesus. It is what caused you to call out to him for salvation, for life, for hope. So there are two parts of shining the light and exposing the darkness. One happens naturally. The other happens specifically. Notice also that he doesn't just say it brings exposure. That when we walk as children of the light, we don't just expose things done in darkness. We actually transform things that are done in darkness. Or maybe better said, he transforms things that are darkness through us. Look what he says in this. Maybe it will make more sense. Verse 13 says, But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. That sounds, sounds different from what he was talking about earlier. Right? He says, one of the things that we do as light is we expose things. Right? We, we, we allow them to be seen for what they are. But that's not God's ultimate purpose in us being light and walking in, as light, is it? Does God just want us to walk around and make people feel uncomfortable? Does God just want us to walk around and, and make people mad? Is that his goal? I want the church to make everybody else in the world mad. Is, is that his goal? No, absolutely not. But what his goal is, is that we would shine the light, the light would expose the darkness, and the light would transform the darkness into light and make it light. The same thing that happened with us, right? We were darkness, the light shined in our lives, exposed our darkness, but not only exposed it, transformed it into light by God's grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we were converted. That's what he wants for us, too. That's what he wants us to be a part of. We're going to shine that light that is ultimately his light. It will expose the darkness, and that exposure of darkness prayerfully will bring people to the Lord, that it will prayerfully bring people to salvation in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So don't think, don't think that your role as exposer of darkness is just to make people mad. It'll happen. Get ready for it. But ultimately, it is to transform the world. We're to be light and salt in the world that makes a difference. And we don't do it, right? We don't do it on our own. He's clearly the one that makes the difference. But hear me also very clearly. He has chosen to make the difference in the world through us. He could save the world in a lot of different ways, right? He could proclaim the gospel in a lot of different ways, but he has chosen to use us in the process. So walk as children of the light. Expose the deeds done in darkness. Now look at this interesting verse at the end in verse 14. This is bizarre, and there's a lot of argument about it. It says, for this reason, it says... Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. A lot of debate about this text. Some people will say it's a loose quotation of an Old Testament text because he starts it like he would normally start an Old Testament quotation. For this reason, it says. But there's not a text in the Old Testament that lines up exactly with this. There are other people who argue this is a hymn of the New Testament church, of the early church, that they would often sing this song as someone was baptized. In fact, there's a pretty good argument that they would sing this over and over and over again as someone was baptized, and that's what they would hear before they went into the water, and that's what they would hear when they came up out of the water. Listen to that with that in your mind. Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Imagine that in the context of baptism. Now, 
said all that to say this. I don't know exactly where this came from. I don't, I don't know exactly what he's quoting here, if it is an, an Old Testament text or if it is a New Testament hymn. But what I do know is that it's a call to response. It's a call to respond for every one of us in this room. It's a call for all of us to wake up, to rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on us. For the believer, for the believer, man, wake up. Some of us walk around. You, you said it four or five times this morning. Sing like you're alive. Man, I think sometimes we sing like we're dead. I think sometimes we live like we're dead. Believers, you're not dead. You're alive. You are not darkness. You are light. Wake up. Wake up. Confess your sins. Your sins of commission. Your sins of omission. Confess your sins. Repent of your sins. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation and walk as children of light. Believers, that is the call. Wake, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And for unbelievers, the application is exactly the same. The invitation is exactly the same. You are dead. You are darkness. Wake up. Wake up. Confess your sins. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus. Believe in him. Depend on him. Be raised from the dead. Be transformed by his grace. And then walk as children of light. Hear me clearly. The invitation to unbelievers is not walk as children of the light. The invitation to unbelievers is become a child of the light. Scripture is clear that God is in the business of transferring people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And maybe today is that day for you. Maybe today is that day for you. One application today is all we've got. And it's a simple question. Are you light or darkness? Not are you in the light or are you in the darkness? What are you? Are you light? Then walk like it. Then walk like it. Thank God for saving you. Walk as children of the light. Expose the darkness. One commentator said this. He said, one holy life in a factory or office will do more to dispel its darkness than a million words from a person who is no different from the world. Most powerful of all, of course, is a genuine godly life backing up courageous and winsome words. That's what we want to be. We want to be walking in light. Speaking powerful, courageous words that are backed up by a godly life. If you are light, thank God that you are light. Walk as light. Expose the darkness. And if you are darkness, trust Jesus. He can transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Know this, that everyone who's in this room today who is light once was not. Know that everyone in this room who is in Christ today at one point was not in Christ. We, we, we can relate. We can relate to where you are because we used to be there. And we can also testify that you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay as darkness. Jesus can change everything. We can say that, right? Because he's changed everything for us and he can change everything for you. Oh, run to Jesus. Trust in him. Depend on him. Turn away from the darkness and toward the light and depend on him for your salvation. And walk as children of the light. Let's stand together and pray. God, thank you.
for your power to change us. Thank you for your grace to change us. Thank you that you love us even when we are darkness. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you loved us and you gave yourself for us. And we are thankful for that. Help us who are light to remember when we were darkness, to be humble and thankful. Help us who are light to walk as light. Convict us when we walk as if we are still darkness. Help us as we walk as children of the light to expose the darkness, sometimes naturally, sometimes specifically. God, help us on this journey, on this trajectory. Help us to grow. We don't, we don't want to stay the same. We're not satisfied with where we are. We want to grow, and we need your help. And God, we pray for those in this room who are darkness. They are lost. They are dead. They are hopeless. Oh, God, only you can make a difference. Only you can change that. Only you can find them. Only you can raise them. Only you. And only by grace. And only through faith in Jesus Christ can a life be changed. So we pray today that you would convict men and women, boys and girls, of their sin, of their lostness, of their desperation. That you will show them the beauty of the cross. That Christ died for them. And that their response would be one of repentance from sin and faith toward you. That they would depend not on their own works, their own walking, but they would depend on the work of Jesus who died for them. God, I pray that you'll do what only you can and give light to dead men today. God, we pray that you'll do it not for their sakes primarily, but for your own glory. And we'll respond and praise you. In Christ's name we pray.